Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 193. We have a great one for you today. We're going to continue talking all about The Mandalorian chapter 15 The Believer. But Jesse before we do that uh, I think we were all blown away by the news for upcoming Star Wars projects this past week. I don't think any of us were expecting the amount of content that was announced last week. I know. That was just, it was just a huge surprise. It was like the very end of my work day and everyone started talking about like all the Marvel things that were announced. And I was just like, whoa, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like I, that's so many crazy things. And then my coworker shoved the Ahsoka announcement in my face and I teared up a little bit in the office and I that was just like the only thing I had heard for the day until I had talked to you and that was like enough for me and then I just like my brain got bombarded I feel like after I left work it was just like that emoji where your just brain explodes from excitement just speechless (laughs) with all the things coming out (laughs) it is it's truly overwhelming and i know we we constantly say it's a great time to be a star wars fan and i truly believe that uh it's the best time to be a star wars fan in my opinion with all the content that we have coming out and that we've gotten i know we're going to be going through a period here of years a few years without a new star wars movie 2020 being the first year of that cycle. Now we got to wait all the way to 2023 for the next one. But in the meantime, we'll have the Mandalorian and a bunch of other things. So uh, we'll kind of touch on some of these things here. Uh, we'll go through them pretty quick and then we'll, we'll continue our conversation on the Mandalorian. But the first thing I want to mention, Jesse, is the Rogue Squadron feature film. So that is the next feature film that's going to be coming out in 2023. It's going to be directed by Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, which is super cool. Female director for a feature-length Star Wars film, Rogue Squadron. And there was a little, she posted a little video on Twitter, and I think it, you can probably find it a few other places, but it's kind of of her talking about, you know, her father dying and how he was like a fighter pilot, and she constantly has been trying to come up with a way to do a movie on fighter pilots and piloting and, and ships and things like that. And uh, this opportunity is going to provide her uh, with being involved in a project that combines two things that she loves. Uh, and then at the end of it, she puts on the the fighter helmet, the X-Wing helmet, and starts walking towards an X-Wing. And to me, this this was incredible. The pilots and the fighters aren't necessarily like my favorite thing about Star Wars. I mean, I enjoy it, but I really could tell 
the passion that was coming out and the dedication and and you know that she's going to put her heart and soul into creating a fantastic Star Wars film. Yeah, this is a really cool announcement. I I love that little feature, that little um little video announcement that you're talking about there. It got me so hyped for something that it's something we have no idea what it's going to be other than fighter pilots and and we're focusing in on Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Um, and just that, it, it's not even a trailer. It's not a scissor reel. It's nothing. It's just the director getting really stoked about about making the film. So I agree. I love that she has such a, just such like a stake in it already. Like she's not just a Star Wars fan. She has this connection to fighter pilots in general. Um, that will hopefully just bring a whole nother element into what we've seen so far when it comes to the quick little scenes of, of, of pilots in their cockpits in Star Wars. So I'm really excited for this one and I'm excited that it means so much to her and that she gets to, Petty Jenkins gets to do it. In addition to the announcement of Rogue Squadron, Star Wars did confirm that Taika Waititi is continuing to work on his untitled Star Wars film, which is in development. In other news, Obi-Wan Kenobi got some big news. The series that's going to be directed by Deborah Chow that takes place 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith is going to be welcoming back Hayden Christensen to play Darth Vader. I am dying, yes. I am super dying. (laughs) I'm so excited about that. I mean, when I watched Revenge of the Sith, which is my favorite of all the Star Wars movies still, and I know you don't like that one as much, Jesse, but it's my favorite because it kind of brings the two trilogies together, and I'm really excited that Hayden got to be in the Vader costume for the end of the film. And I remember watching behind the scenes things on Revenge of the Sith and Hayden walking out in the Vader costume and having like watching people just be in awe seeing Vader on the set of a Star Wars film again because he wasn't on set for episodes one and two and before that it wasn't until it was 1983 when Revenge or Return of the Jedi came out so it it was a decent amount of years uh, since Vader had been on the set of a film and to watch Hayden kind of walk out and people freak out in that costume was amazing and now he gets to do it again. I know. I'm so happy for him to get to be back. Uh, the reason I don't like Revenge of the Sith is just because it's so sad and it's just such a heartbreaking, true tragedy that it just breaks my heart and that's why I don't watch it very often um but I'm really glad that we get Hayden Christensen back and that he gets to reprise this role because it's it's just so cool that it's like it's things you we we're getting things that we never thought we would ever get again it's so wild to me this is something that I just never thought was gonna happen yeah there was not even an inkling in my brain that this was ever a possibility so I can't wait (laughs) <laughs> I know it's it's truly amazing and then uh, continuing on with the list here as you mentioned before Ahsoka this is exciting now I will have to talk about this maybe after the season finale of uh, Mandalorian when we talk about that but I know we had all these theories and ideas of what's going to happen with Ahsoka and Thrawn and will we get Sabine will we get Ezra 
but there is going to be a live action Ahsoka show written by Dave Filoni that will continue in a limited series starring Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and then it's going to be executive produced by Dave Filoni and John Favreau and again this is going to be taking place during the timeline of The Mandalorian so uh, same timeline and you know maybe this could be an outlet for Thrawn maybe we won't get it necessarily in The Mandalorian I don't know but that's something to talk about in the future but I, I'm very excited about this. And the logo looks awesome. I think it's going to be cool. I, oh, oh, I'm i so excited about this. This is what I was hoping to get out of Ahsoka appearing in The Mandalorian. Was just kind of a way to introduce people to her who maybe didn't necessarily watch The Clone Wars or any of the animated stuff. And then just launch her off into into more more bigger and better things. So I'm I'm really excited that we're getting more live action Ahsoka. I I can't even believe it. It's so cool. <laughs> I know it's amazing to think about the story of Ahsoka and where she came from, and how she's gotten to this point. So it's because of you know the fans who fell in love with the character that she's been able to continue on, and I think that's great. Too. And I love that Dave Filoni, it just gets to be, this is like his way almost of like kind of bringing, coming through Ahsoka and bringing this whole, you know, story arc of the Mandalorians full, full circle here. I just feel like they're shoving him more into live action projects. And I just hope outside of kind of Ahsoka and Mandalorians, like I just hope Dave Filoni is very prominent in the future of Star Wars. Well, just based off what we're getting now, I think that's pretty true. And not only Dave Filoni, but John Favreau, in addition to Ahsoka that's coming out during the same timeline of The Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic, which is set during the same timeline. Uh, it's a live action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni that will intersect with future stories and culminate into a climactic story event. So we have The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Rangers of the New Republic, all set within the same timeline that's going to be produced and written by many of the same people. So it'll be exciting to see what that brings for us all. I just feel like The Mandalorian has been so well-received and so nearly universally loved that I think Disney and Star Wars have just hit a really great sweet spot for the majority of the fandom and I, it seems like they really are just using it as a launching pad and, and going to take it in that direction because it's been so fantastic and so well received so I'm glad to see it expanding into different you know eras and areas of the same timeline absolutely and continuing on we have we have a ton of announcements like we said I, I know it was in the news there's like 10 different series that, that was announced for Star Wars, and um, I'm a Disney stockholder, so I was super excited to see the numbers uh, the day after this was announced. But Lando, everyone's favorite scoundrel, Lando Calrissian, will return in a brand new event series for Disney+. Plus. I have to admit, I don't know what an event series is. I, I'm not sure if that's something that people in the industry know exactly what that is, if it's a, you know... Something I'm just totally goes over my head. I don't, I'm not sure. 
but it's going to be spearheaded by Justin Simeon, and he's developing the story for Lando. So it doesn't necessarily say live action. Now, I'm going off of the StarWars.com kind of article announcement on this, so I don't know if there's more info on this other places, but Donald Glover was popular as Lando for Mm -hmm. Solo, so maybe they'll bring him back. Fingers crossed. But I totally agree. I don't know. I mean, we've got a limited series, a... Now we've got, what is it called? A event, event. series. Like, yep. Yeah, I don't know what all these different things mean. Um, I'm assuming it's just something that tells us like it's not going to be like the Mandalorian where, you know, you keep getting, before the first season's over, you know the next season's coming kind of thing. I think they're just setting us up to be like, hey, it's going to be short. Don't be disappointed. It's not going to be a thing that carries on for a long time. <laughs> and you know you have to say that stuff to Star Wars fans. Otherwise, yeah. they'll feel like they'll get gypped out of stuff, know. you know. It's like, jeez. <laughs> yeah. What we're preparing ourselves for. Yeah. Yes. Well, one of the earliest announcements for Disney Plus series was the Cassian Andor series. Star Wars Andor, it's called. And um, they showed us a sizzle reel for this. Did you watch the sizzle reel? I did. It got me so pumped. I feel like a lot of it was Rogue One, though. It wasn't a lot of new, right? Yeah, looking stuff. It was like like concepts of new stuff and Diego Luna just kind of talking about it. Um, but it's I. It got me really pumped. I love seeing Diego Luna because every time you hear him talk, he's just so giddy with excitement about being a part of it. So just seeing him so excited always makes me excited for more. Yeah, definitely. And I love what Neil Scanlon, the guy, the head of the creature department said, you know, they don't treat this any differently than a film. And they've worked on all the films. Neil Scanlon has worked on all the films with all the creature departments and everything. And they treat this as such, you know, so all the sets and everything. I mean, it looks like they are working on a movie, but it's a show, you know, so I love that. It, it really brings everything together and it'll feel I think it'll feel like a uh, a great connector to Rogue One. I think so too, and I love that they're describing it on the on StarWars.com as a tense, nail-biting spy thriller. Um, which I don't know if it's been described like that before, and I'm just forgetting. But it just makes me think it's going to be way more serious of a show than I was ready for. With like. A Cassian, I kept calling it, and I think a lot of people kept calling it, like, a Cassian K2SO, you know, yeah. show where K2SO makes funny jokes and slaps Cassian around. Like, <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> more, like, comedic or something. Right, that's, like, what I had in my head when I think of, like, Alan Tudyk being, like, yeah. a part of anything. Um, but the way it's being described here, it seems like it's going to be, like, a thriller like that. Like, that's, that's a stressful word for me when it comes to watching movies. <laughs> So, yeah. This should be interesting. Nail biting. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> I'm excited for that one too. I think that's going to be a great one. I'm excited for all these, really. I think the most intriguing one though, Jesse, is what is going to be spearheaded by Leslie Heedland, the Emmy Award-nominated creator of the mind-bending series Russian Doll, is going to be working on a new show, a new series called The Acolyte. And it's a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets 
and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. Now, this is extremely exciting because not only does that sound kind of spooky, but the High Republic content we're going to start to get in a couple weeks after the beginning of the year here. So we're going to start to dive into that era of Star Wars here pretty quick. It's just crazy. This this release, this list is insane because everyone's been so excited about High Republic. So it's it's crazy that we haven't even gotten that yet. And they're like, oh, you're going to get a movie or whatever, a series about it. So get even more excited. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just this is the setup. Like we just we just ended, you know, a huge the end of an era, the end of the Skywalker saga. So this is just but I guess what we've been waiting for is what is Star Wars going to be now after the Skywalker saga? And this is crazy. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, I think a lot of people were, you know, after The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker and, and even Solo, I know some people were boycotting going to the theater and boycotting Disney and boycotting, you know, all of this stuff. And this is the end of Star Wars and Star Wars should be more like Marvel. I mean, look at this list. It is giant. We're not done with it yet, either. This is a big list. I don't think Disney has those intentions. This is not the end of Star Wars. If anything, this is the beginning of a new era for it. And um, my wallet already hurts thinking about all the <laughs> merchandise for all of these new productions. I know. So. It's going to be hard to keep up. It's, it's going to be great. We're going to be surrounded by Star Wars, I think, 24-7 for a long time. <laughs> We got a real quick trailer for The Bad Batch, and this is something that was announced before. We saw that before. Uh, it was like a sizzle. It looks like a sizzle. Did you watch that? I did. It's so exciting. It was. It, this felt more like a trailer to me than yeah. Than the cast member because yeah. a lot of yeah, a lot of it was new scenes, um, which was really exciting because I love Clone Wars so much. And this to me might as well just be like. Clone Wars season eight, you know, like it's yep. basically what it yep. is. So I'm just ugh, Clone Wars is is my Star Wars. When I think of the part of Star Wars that get that got me into it, that got me obsessing and thinking deeply over it, um, that was Clone Wars. So I'm just excited that that isn't over yet, um, and that that the sizzle reel was really, really exciting because I just feel like they're gonna. I don't know. I have so many thoughts. And I don't know if they fit into this beginning news portion of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do a bigger, longer discussion on a lot of this stuff. Maybe uh, you know, after the first of the year, we'll have a little bit more time to talk about new things. But um, this, like you were saying, you know, is directly related to the Clone War, and it says here on the StarWars.com article that it takes place immediate during the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. So you can definitely imagine that there's there's going to be some crossover, maybe some characters from the Clone Wars in that besides our main Bad Batch guys. Um, you know, I'm excited to see Echo again. He was one of my favorite clones. So Star Wars Visions is another thing coming. It's a series of animated short films through the lens of the world's best anime creators. So this is going to be pretty cool. It's 10 fantastic visions from several of the leading Japanese anime studios, which is going to offer a fresh and diverse 
cultural perspective to Star Wars. I'm very excited about this. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. I feel like these are going to be 10 little mini like works of art. Like whenever I think of short films, I think of like all the like Pixar, you know, short films before, before, you know, every Pixar movie in the theaters and to get that all in an anime style, I think is going to be really, really fun. A droid story. Lucasfilm Animation will be teaming up with Lucasfilm's visual effects team, ILM, to develop a special Star Wars adventure for Disney+. Plus. A droid story uh, will introduce us to a new hero guided by the legendary duo R2-D2 and C-3PO. What does so that that'll mean? that'll be pretty cool. An intersection of animation and visual effects. Am I foolish that that means, like, that <laughs> sounds like something new to me? Like... Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think... One great thing about Star Wars, and this has happened ever since George started Star Wars, was he wanted technology to continue to improve. And if the visual effects people said, George, that's impossible, he said, no, it's not, do it. And they were able to do it. They pushed the limits of technology, and I think Lucasfilm is going to continue to do that. So the sort of the um, visual effects and animation kind of combining with each other, I think might prove to be something pretty unique and probably pretty cool. I can always count on Disney to, to be a part of things like that. Yeah. Engineering and creating something completely new just out of an idea. <laughs> yep. And of course, Lucasfilm is more than just Star Wars, although Star Wars is its, is its main baby. Uh, but of course, you got Willow and another Indiana Jones, the final Indiana Jones installment featuring Harrison Ford. So lots of great stuff to look forward to in the next coming years. All right, let's go ahead into our conversation on The Mandalorian, Chapter 15, titled The Believer, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. I don't know if I said that right. I, I think I did. Um, if not, it's close. So sorry, Rick, if I got that wrong. But he was a director. He did a couple episodes, I think a couple, either one or two episodes in the first season of the of the show. And I think he's good. He's one of my favorite directors. I think he, he really hits the, the nail on the head with a lot of uh, his directing choices. And, of course, we are going to be talking about spoilers with this episode. So if you don't want any, turn back now. But, Jesse, what did you think of The Believer? Overall, I thought this episode was really, really fun. I know I mentioned, you know, that I felt like we were going to get a Suicide Squad in the last episode. And that is really what this felt like was just a, a band of, you know, bad guys minus Cara Dune um, just having a spy mission and infiltrating the empire. Um, it was, it was just overall really, really fun. And I can't believe they made us like Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, this episode was historic for the Mandalorian. And do you know why that is? Mm -mm. This is the first episode in the series since it began last year, where the child was not in it oh. at all. Not one scene with the child. Yep. So I thought that was kind of historic. Very interesting. They got a, I don't know if they're trying to show us that we can still have a show without Baby Yoda. <laughs> but... <laughs> Getting you ready for it? <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was interesting. Enough exciting people you throw boba fett in there people there are some people out there that would trade 
Grogu. Yeah. For for Boba. I don't think I'm one of them. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. At least not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, this episode continues right after the last episode of Picks Off picks up right where we ended and of course the child Grogu has been taken by Moff Gideon his dark troopers and the Empire and Mando is doing his best to recruit a team to go after it but they don't know where Gideon's ship is they have to figure that out and for that they need Mayfeld this is the return of Mayfeld played by Bill Burr and like you said, Jesse, I thought it was kind of interesting how they made us feel for him and, and kind of made us like him a little bit because, to be honest, he wasn't my favorite character the first time we saw him in season one. No, that whole group of people, we were just kind of all, all of Mando's, you know, ex-friends. We were kind of just made to feel that, like, Mando had turned out to be the best of them and they were all just still being criminals um, hadn't turned their lives around and just were continuously, you know, doing bad things. So, and, and they all turn on him too, right? So there's no reason to like him in season one or any of them really in season one. Um, and I, they really, really in this episode, I feel like what this whole episode was about was kind of, I feel like honestly what maybe a big portion of their goal and one of the things it seems like they're really interested in exploring in, especially this season of The Mandalorian, is getting inside the Empire and seeing more about seeing stormtroopers have, you know, banter off to the side and um, making them more involved in the in storylines other than just shooting and missing. Um, so now we're getting to actually go in and, and see what it's like on the other side and and really get down to the fact that some of them are just I mean we've heard we've heard this time and time again through different you know novels and things um, where some of them are just you're just a soldier and you're not necessarily a bad person but you're mixed up in this terrible thing and I think from a lot of their perspectives as we can see in Mayfield or Mayfeld they are just doing their job until they have a huge moment where you can just see that everything is messed up. I just, I, I really like too that Mayfield, Mayfeld isn't, he didn't defect and like go jump into the rebellion. He defected and was like, all of this sucks. That <laughs> the rebellion sucks. The new Republic sucks. The empire sucks. They're all the same. I don't want anything to do with it. Mayfeld, he really, they really made you feel for it more. And, you know, you're talking about the Empire and, and what we get to see throughout this episode. You're almost like when those pirates are chasing the the transport, Mayfeld's got the Rhydonium under control trying to, and, and Mando's on top of the, the ship trying to, or the, the whatever you call that, uh, the cruiser trying to make sure the pirates don't get on there. And then TIE fighters come and you're like, yes, TIE fighters, save the day. I that's like not what you normally do, you know. You don't root for the Tie Fighters. No, it was it it was they just flipped the script on those kind of scenes completely and changed kind of who you were rooting for in those moments. Like, and if you think about it too, they're like fighting these pirates. Like these pirates could have been. I mean, they were obviously trying. If you're trying to stop the Empire, you're trying to blow up what they've got. 
in the world of Star Wars, you're kind of a good guy, even if somebody else is calling you a pirate. You know, Kaz and um, Kazuna Ziono, for, they, were, they were part of a pirate kind of gang, if you will, when it comes to, I mean, is, is any kind of band that's trying to stop the Empire called anything other than than pirates on their end? What are they? Phoenix Squadron? <laughs> Sorry, would mm-hmm. Phoenix Squadron be considered, you know, pirates um, in terms of the Empire? Like, it, those people were, quote-unquote, Terrorists, good guys. pirates. Yeah. Right, but to us, they're, they're the good guys. They're trying to stop the Empire. Right. And they had to take them out, which was kind of sad if you thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job with that. And it, again, it's, you know, you read book, some of the books about Thrawn, and you're like, hmm, you know, about allegiances and and how should i feel about this you know you you go into it like oh you're in this box you're a bad guy you're in this box you're a good guy and that's not what we're getting the lines are blurred in a lot of the current star wars and i love it um and not necessarily saying that you know the empire isn't necessarily evil because i think it is but it's all a matter of perspective and and some of the people are just doing their jobs and even mayfeld talks about that you know killing the innocent people and and whatever and then the officer's like yep let's cheers to the empire you know and that just kind of sends everything off the rails but i thought that it was really cool that mayfeld actually seemed to have a caring nature to him and um we'll talk about this more too but with the whole helmet thing with mando taking his helmet off and then at the end he's like yep here you go here's your helmet i never saw your face the Mayfeld yeah. in season one was like, come on, let's see your face, Mando. And like in front of everybody. And here he is like, right. I never saw your face. Here's your helmet. You know? So good yes. character development there. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I was yelling in my head when he took that helmet off in the beginning when they first get in that truck. And he never puts it back on. I was like, oh, here we go. This could be a problem. And of course, that's yeah. the first thing he runs into an old buddy of his. Which, by the way, um, I don't understand the terminal scan thing, if I'm being honest. I'm trying to kind of figure out, because usually, typically, in Star Wars at least, or in any kind of sci-fi, when we scan our faces into something, it's it's because it's recognizing your face and deciding whether or not you're worthy of unlocking whatever it is you're trying to access. But here, it seemed to not matter. It was They were just scanning. It just needed to scan a face because it didn't matter if it was Mayfield. It, Mayfeld, I keep calling it Mayfield. It didn't matter if it was Mayfeld. It didn't matter if it was Din Djarin. It, they just needed a face to scan. So I was trying to think of, like, why, why it could just be any person's face. And for me, the only thing I could think of is because the Empire is in such, you know, kind of, I mean, they seem more organized than we would have thought they would be at this time. But... They're, I wonder if they're just trying to gather data on who's still around and, and who's who they've got. Uh, maybe they don't have a, an accurate, you know, face count of everybody that's with them right now because they're in a disarray. I don't know. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about the terminal scan thing. I don't. I mean, I, I also had that kind of pop into my head. Like, why... 
what does it show up on the computer? And as I was watching it again today to prepare for the show, I saw that when they do scan his face, there's something that pops up. There's text that pops up. I believe it's an Arobesh, and I know your Arobesh is probably a little rusty at this point, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe we can get that translated to see what pops up after his face gets scanned. You know, does the Empire have records of Din Djarin? Maybe it recognizes him as Din Djarin, but it's overridden by the code cylinder that's put in. Because ISB mm. agent um, Gideon know, knows exactly about him, knows all about Cara Dune. You know, I don't know if that's common knowledge. I don't think it's common knowledge because Din Djarin said he knows my name and he's the only person that could know my name. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what the info is on that or what the explanation is, but I, I too was slightly confuzzled on that. Now I want to go pause that scene and decode things. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there you go. But let's talk about this scene a little bit. So obviously this is a major turn with Mando. He won't take his helmet off for anything. He even refuses to take his helmet off in front of IG-11 at first uh, before he, you know, is convinced to take his helmet off to save his life. But what did you think about that? I mean, he's got this major turn in his character, and it's it's definitely all to save Grogu. I mean, if Grogu wasn't in grave peril, I don't think we would have seen this at all. But he's willing to put aside his code the code that he stood for since, you know, becoming a foundling to save this child. So were you surprised by that? I I was definitely surprised to see him remove his helmet and in front of so many people um, and for such a long period of time. And I think it comes down to obviously what you said, where it's a, it was a make or break moment. Either I remove my helmet and get the information I need to get to Grogu or it's a dead mission. It was going to end right there if if things didn't move forward. Um, so I get that that would be kind of a deal breaker for him because the child is Grogu means more to him now than, than we'll ever know. Um, they are their family at this point. Um, so that makes complete sense to me. And also I wonder if all of the other Mandalorians he's met now who don't have this hang up about wearing a helmet has kind of made him think a little. I feel like that's something that they've kind of mentioned, you know, from the beginning even. It comes to seeing when he first sees Bo-Katan and all of them, and he freaks out when they take their helmet off. Um, He is tempted to take his helmet off in season one by that nice lady that he could have settled down with, whose name I don't remember, in that cute little village. Um, (laughs) Omera. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And then, and now Boba Fett, who he has come Mm -hmm. to accept is the true owner of that armor, that he too is a true Mandalorian, and he doesn't care about having his helmet on or off either. I think he's just maybe starting to see more of the diversity of Mandalore, and maybe, just maybe, he's starting to be tempted to to not follow that code so much. And and even uh, Mayfeld was kind of I don't know if taunting him is the right word, but I guess challenging him as to like, what, what's the deal? Like sometimes it's okay to take it off. Sometimes it's not. Do you care? Do you not care? 
what's your deal? And so I wonder if that was just kind of a cue to the audience that Din Djarin is going to start changing, hopefully, or maybe how how much he truly follows that code and maybe start, you know, bending the rules a little bit. Yeah, I think that would be cool to see. I also find it very, it's, it's not strange, but it kind of is. Like seeing Pedro Pascal's face on screen because... I mean, obviously we know what he looks like. He's taken his helmet off before, but we've come to know this character and even felt this character's emotions just by watching body movements, by watching head tilts, by watching, seeing seeing his armor. That's how we've come to know this Mandalorian. And now we're seeing him do more than just lay on the ground all bloodied you know, and having conversations and shooting and and doing all sorts of really cool things um, without his armor. And again, in this episode, speaking of the armor, I I think I mentioned this on our previous one, they are definitely going above and beyond to show us the importance and the durability of Beskar compared to other armor. Uh, We talked about it last time with the stormtroopers just getting their armor absolutely shattered. And in this one, with the tank pilot, uh, tank driver pilot armor going up against those pirates, I mean, he got some of his armor shattered on that battle, too. So, got to get the Beskar. Highly coveted, for sure. Yeah, and that stormtrooper armor is apparently stinky. <laughs> yeah. Uh coming that. from somebody who is a stormtrooper uh in the 501st definitely gets kind of stinky and sweaty. So I know I love that they kind of like deglorified that like experience of we see it like time and time again of you know the good guys stealing and just hopping into somebody's worn armor after knocking out some troopers to try to blend in it's something that's happening happening constantly in star wars so i love that they just kind of really brought that down to like reality it's like it's not as cute of a thing to do it's it's probably pretty gross (laughs) yeah really (laughs) nasty um and we see a lot of the good guys, a lot of the rebels and things, you know, switch armor, switch outfits, yeah, or like sneak in, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like to have a round of applause for our female sniper team, because yeah. Fennec Shand and Cara Dune, I mean, they just killed it. I mean, it was so cool watching our ladies on the top of this mountainside, just take dudes out like it was their job. I mean, they (laughs) definitely saved Mando and Mayfeld with all those troopers running after them. I mean, they were just on it with those, with those, uh, sniper rifles. So yay. Good job. Sniper team. It, It was crazy that just like the two of them up on that ridge with, you know, Boba in the getaway car, could just like in and out that whole operation for people like what like that was it was it was pretty cool i told amanda that if sideshow or gentle giant or any of these major you know statue companies produce a like a diorama or anything of fennec shand and cara dune laying down on top of like a mountain ridge with their sniper rifles. I want to get it because I thought that was super cool. That is super cool. 
And going uh, back, we saw Fennec Shand in the Bad Batch. This is a real. We did, yeah. We That's did. very so cool. Very exciting. There's going to be more Fennec in other things, yeah. too. I know she's been a popular character, even though we haven't gotten much much of her in The Mandalorian, but I think Ming-Na Wen is popular, and people like her character. Yes. So. Yep. Now, at the end of this, Jesse, of course, we get we get the information that we need. And through this, Armando sends a message to Moff Gideon on his cruiser. And I got goosebumps the first time I watched this. Not only just because the visuals look cool with like the big Mando hologram in the Imperial kind of briefing area. But just what he said. It was the message that Moff Gideon said to them at the end of season one you know, telling them that the child means more to him than they know and all that stuff. And it was definitely a threat. It kind of reminded me of, you know, I will find you. I will look for you. I will kill you. The Liam Neeson thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere oh you gosh. can go where I won't find you. Yes. So I think that was a fantastic way to end the episode. And, um, this this season finale, which we're going to get this week, the end of this week, I think is going to be pretty crazy. But what did you think of of that whole like final speech hologram that Mando sent to Gideon? It, it did give me goosebumps. It definitely made me emotional because um, it's just we've been seeing the the their bond increasing and increasing over these past two seasons. Um and we saw how hard it was, you know, just a couple episodes ago when Mando thought he was, you know, handing Grogu over to Ahsoka and how, you know, long it was taking him to gather up the strength to kind of let go of Grogu. So we've really been getting to see their attachment um, really form, which could be, you know, good or bad for, for Grogu's Jedi path. Um, but I think it makes us happy. Um to see them as a little family unit. And I love that everybody has started referring to Grogu as his kid. They've got his kid. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So that little message, it, it was very sad. Very, it's sad because we, we, we still didn't have our baby at the end. It was tearjerker because I love how their bond. And I'm also worried because why are you telling them you're coming? <laughs> yeah. No subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> This guy's nuts. You have no idea what he's going to do. Um, so I don't know. It was a good idea, a bad idea, but but it was definitely definitely a cinematic moment for sure. Yeah. Well, there are great there are many great moments in this series and this episode again proved to uh, continue that tradition. I want to talk about some of my favorite things about this episode, but I want to get your final thoughts on this episode as a whole. I, I thought this was a, a really good kind of like heist episode. I really enjoyed kind of the turn that Mayfeld took. And um, I feel like he's going to be one of those characters like we saw a lot in season one where we, we bring them in. Uh, we start to like them. They, they walk away and then we come back and get them again. He just seems like a character that they... I would hope that we get some more of him because now I like him and I'm, I I think it's really cool that he's, I mean, he obviously had a really hard past and he went in and just 
just blew everything up like you kind of want, you know, a rebel to do um, and just cause some havoc so that he could sleep at night. So I kind of really like Mayfeld now and I, I hope we get to see him again. Um, but this episode yeah. is cool. I, I love seeing inside of the, the other side, seeing the Empire, seeing how they kind of interact with each other um, when the helmets are off. It was very cool. It was a good episode. Yeah. But I want my baby back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I just wanted to sing that uh, Baby Back Ribs song, but I didn't. Um, yeah, that was awesome. I, I really like what you said about Mayfeld, and hopefully we'll get more of him. Now, you know, he's, he's quote-unquote dead, so he's a free man. He can go do whatever he wants to do. He's off the records, which I think is cool. So hopefully at some point we, we run into him again. Uh, some of my favorite things about this episode, I don't know if you felt the same way. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people felt this way, but there was some serious Scarif vibes from Rogue One. Um, not only with the environment, but the troopers that we saw, the colors, all things like that. I, I thought it was very reminiscent of the visuals of Rogue One. I say this almost on every episode, but the way that the Mandalorian brings back things from other episodes, other shows, other movies is fascinating to me, and I love it. Like the seismic charge from Slave 1. That is one of the most exciting things about the Slave 1, the seismic charges with the, the big explosion before we hear the noise, you know, where we first see in episode 2 with Jango Fett. Um, the mention of Operation Cinder. That's something that uh, we hear about a lot in the books. In the Battlefront game, getting to hear that mentioned again was, was very cool. And I also really liked the fact that that the officer, the, the uh, Imperial officer, was played by Richard Brake, who was the Night King in Game of Thrones. Oh. All right. Yeah. Balin Hess, I think, was his character name. Balin Hess? Valen with a V. Valen Hess. Valen. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. a cool name for a guy that got blown up after one minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even his short his short moments in this episode, I think, really show you how great of an actor he is. I mean, just the way that he talked and he carried himself, I think, was kind of frightening. Yeah. But he's a good villain in, cool. in his short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. just kill 10,000 men for the good of the That's empire. Fine. Yeah. My own men. <laughs> People don't want freedom. They just want order. Ooh. Okay, dude. Which was Whatever. very like, very like, ooh, forced orders. What's coming next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool episode. Fantastic job, Rick Famuyiwa. Looking forward to the season finale this upcoming Friday. And then, of course, we'll have no more Mando for a while, which will be sad. But but we know more. Season coming. two's been great. Yeah, more's coming. Oh, did you notice in this episode that Boba Fett repainted his armor? His armor yeah, it, is. It took me a minute. I, yeah. I I feel like I it took me like my second watch through. I was like, oh, you're green again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now Slave One needs to be repainted. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Slave One. One of my friends brought this up to me today as a theory, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't really care. But um, Razor Crest got 
totally obliterated, right? So Mando is without a ship, and this person, my friend, was thinking that if they kill off Boba Fett, if Boba Fett dies oh. in this series, then Mando will take Slave One on his, as his new ship. Oh man, that sure would be a bummer to get Boba <laughs> Fett and then to kill Boba just Fett. Have him I kind of like, again. I know. I love that. I love that he's just like, like. I just love hearing them talk about him. Like when Cara Dune and, and Fennec were on that ridge and they were like, oh, Boba's going to need this in order to, to, to get them. Like I just love them yeah. like just talking about him. Like he's there all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know why that was a cool little moment for me. He's, he wasn't even that much in this episode, but them just kind of talking about him and saying his name kind of gets you yeah. excited. I would be bummed, but it does make sense. I could see... I could see that. Kind of just want Boba Fett to walk off into the sunset to never uh, be seen again instead of dying. But that might just be me. <laughs> well, I highly doubt he's going to want to walk off into the sunset on Tatooine. <laughs> so maybe no, he'll find a different stop. planet for that. Yeah. Well, of course, we love this episode, thought it was really great, and if you guys have your thoughts on this episode that you'd love to share with us, you can shoot us an email. Um, our email is twinsonsoutpost at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you guys and hear your thoughts on the episode. Of course, if you don't want to email us, you can always interact with us on social media. And Jesse, if they'd like to do that, where can they find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all under the same handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you're looking to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 193, where we talked all about the new Star Wars content coming out, as well as chapter 15 of season 2 of The Mandalorian. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next time, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hutt. Point on, how do we? This time you will murder to meet the king.